eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to the shortest episode of House of Champions. YouTube friends, dropping your comments and questions in the chat and make sure you hammer the like and subscribe buttons as we preview the action from this weekend's top fixtures all across Europe. In the House of Champions today, we got Michael LaHood, we got Jonathan Johnson and Nigel Rio Coker. Golf clap for everyone. Here we go. What's going on with you, mate? What are you doing right there? You're texting right now. What are you doing? Tell us exactly what you're doing right now. You're ordering something on Amazon. I'm staying tuned. No, I'm not. That's my missus's job. I'm just staying tuned in case any breaking news comes. He's just pinged me a message about which wine bottles he should be picking for his next order. Been dealing with it for the last 24 hours. Don't buddy. Don't get me started on wine. Don't get me started on wine in Nigeria Coker. I'm still salty. Said it before the show. Still waiting for my bottle. Mike, I didn't think you drank wine. Yeah, man, I'm a wino. In, in the healthiest of ways, that is. We got to stop talking about alcohol, otherwise they're going to ban this video on YouTube. All right. Well, we might get a sponsorship. Mm. Okay. To, be fair, you, you to like? be fair, you need some sort of alcohol to watch us and listen to our videos. <laughs> Especially the way we started today. All right, let's get into it. The FA Cup fourth round is ahead of us. Uh, there is one cracking fixture. There are many very good fixtures. And then there's some ones that you probably just don't really care much about. It is the FA Cup, but it is the beauty of the FA Cup. We have to begin with the big one, boys. Nigel, come to you first. It's Manchester City against Arsenal. City at full strength. The squad looks like... They're just on a mission right now to try and catch up in the Premier League. But also, there is a bit of vulnerability there. I love to see the Pep Guardiola and Mikel Arteta battle. To me, it's it's a must-watch game. And I don't care what competition it's in. There's a point to be proven here in this time. Ian, I just think for me, it just makes it look like there's uh, the, the beauty of this game that we love and how things just find a way to work it out. You look at Arsenal's form in the league right now and how important that Manchester City fixtures, both fixtures in the league mm-hmm. is going to play a part. And then now for them to meet in the FA Cup, it's just an extra treat for us. I think these games are going to be watched with such uh, scrutiny 
to see if there could be cracks also in the when they meet domestically in the league. What a game. What a game we're in for. And I love it as well, Ian, because for me, I think this has brought back the magic of the FA Cup. And it's something that people have had a lot of discussions about. And when you get two of the, the, the favourite teams to win it, coming up against each other in these rounds, it just makes it ever so more exciting if there could be that David Goliath, that underdog story, making it into one of the most historic cup competitions in world football. Um, well, the master and the pupil, they're going to meet again. Um, it's going to be a very interesting encounter. And I'm going to use one of your words, Ian. There's something not quite right at Manchester City. <laughs> and I'm going to say that. I don't know what Jonathan and Michael think or what you think as well, Ian. But since Pep Guardiola's had a little bit of a hissy fit, throwing his toys out that pram in regards to that Tottenham game, I feel he's let out a lot more than we normally see from Pep Guardiola. Coming out as a manager, saying those type of things and finding it hard to motivate your players and to want to rejuvenate and re-energise your fan base as well. It is a bit worrying. And I think for me, that's something that's still going to stick in my back of my mind from now for the rest of the season. I find it very hard to say there's something not quite right about Manchester City, given the performance they had against a Wolves team that had been difficult to play against. They made them look ordinary. Erlen Holland coming off a hat trick. I think those are very strong words to say after that performance. I do think that it's correct that there are some vulnerabilities there. But we know that there's a difference between Premier League action and cup competition. I'll tell you why. In Premier League action, as of late, City own Arsenal. 13 wins out of the last 16 meetings overall. In FA Cup competition, the Arsenal will have won their last four meetings against Manchester City. And the last time they faced City, 2020. What happened for Arsenal? Anyone, please? They won the FA Cup. They beat City in the semifinals to go on and beat Chelsea to give Mikel Arteta his first Mike. trophy. I can't even remember what happened yesterday, and you're asking me about the FA Cup in 2020. Hey, this, right? is, this is the power don't of you wine, think, man. Yeah, but don't you think that this is a completely different story now? When you're going into it, like, I, I'm a big fan of stats now. I've become a big fan of statistics. But when I go back and I look through stats over 2020, 2019, 18, and I look at Manchester City, obviously, it's just a phenomenal football club. But this Arsenal is a completely different animal now. They want to win every trophy. And you must tell me, you must admit to me, that there's a personal point from Arteta in this game as well, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> you talk about the master going against the pupil. Arteta versus Pep Guardiola. They have such a strong friendship, a bond forged at Manchester City, forged in Spain. And now it's going to be all to play for with so much implication, so much on the line. This is much more than just this FA Cup. The Premier League in the balance. Who knows what the future holds for both of these clubs? But I will tell you one thing. Pep Guardiola will have the experience factor on the line in this match. Having the big games, having players who want to put the pressure on a young Arsenal team, but I think Arsenal will be up for this game. I say that coming off the United loss, the character, or the United losing that game, the character that they showed to stay in that match, to come back from going down a goal, to win it late, I think they're ready. Listen, my thing is this, anyone who thinks that this game won't have an implication or they won't be thinking, players and coaches and managers, about the league games for the Premier League title is absolutely naive. I know we always say cup games don't matter, but this game here has a great relation with them meeting in the Premier League. And you'd be naive to yeah. think that they're not thinking like that, whether it's managers or players. Mm -hmm. I'm really glad that you guys have kind of, uh, you know, touched on the fact as well that <clears throat> there is this growing feeling now that, you know, something is not quite going right with City. I mean, I'm not saying it's a complete disaster. It's not like a crisis, but 
you know, if they were to go out to Arsenal in the cup, that's them out of the League Cup, that's them out of the FA Cup, you know, suddenly that's a lot of pressure on the Champions League because let's face it, at this moment in time, it's in Arsenal's hands. It's if Arsenal throw it away, that gives City a way back into the title race. If they don't, you know, City have to be facing up to the fact that they're probably going to finish second best uh, at best, uh, you know, this season. So for me, I'm kind of wondering now if Guardiola's starting to feel the heat uh, a little bit. It's, uh, you know, there's there's been a lot of expectation on them the last couple of years, people talking them up as the, you know, the best and most complete squad in Europe. And perhaps that was the case on paper, but it's not what we've seen on the pitch. Yes, they've been the best team in the Premier League, but, you know, they haven't got the European success to go with it in the Champions League. And I'm now starting to wonder if, you know, perhaps that moment is kind of slipping by because this is not a vintage city in comparison to what we've seen from them in the last couple of years. Yeah, no doubt about it. Well said, JJ, as well. We do have a few nervous Arsenal fans in the comments right now. Tommy Gabriel jumping in and saying, guys, in my opinion, I don't think Arteta will start as strong as the living. Also, they both won't show their hand before the second league games, uh, the two league games, sorry. That, that I mean, that's a great point right there, along what JJ was talking about. And obviously, Matt jumping in and saying, Arteta doesn't need this distraction. Let City deal with the extra fixtures so you can focus on the EPL, Nigel. Ian, you love that, right? I love it because for me, that's just Arsenal fans sweating and shouting themselves because what they want is the Premier League title. And this is what I love about this show. The nerves. Their fans. The nerves are there. Arsenal fans are like, forget silverware. We want the Premier League title because it's just been that long. And this is when yep. I say sometimes certain fan bases will prioritise certain things. And for me, I'll say it again. Man City fans want the Champions League. It sounds crazy and it's not diminishing the Premier League but they want the Champions League more so than they would have another Premier League title. City ownership want that, Nigel. City ownership. Yeah, the, I mean, the pressure must be on the ownership to win that. Go ahead, but Mike. But it's also the fan base as well. Mm. Yeah. Well, if Arsenal fans are going to be sweating, it's not just Erling Holland. They should be sweating for City. Riyad Mahrez. Man, this guy, since the World Cup break, he has been in Last. Fuego and in cup competitions is where he's really shown up. Started with the EFL Cup win against Liverpool, scoring that second goal. And then since then, in the Premier League, he's found goals, scored the winner against Chelsea, and he just keeps ticking along to provide a second X factor for Man City. If they keep him quiet, that's one version of the supply chain to Holland that they cut out, and that, that'll give him the advantage. This was supposed to be a short show, and we're already nine <laughs> minutes in on one game right here. Shout out to Dooley Adeyeo. He's coming into the house saying, what's up, everybody? I'm an Arsenal fan. It's the best team in the world. Shout out to you as well, Adeyeo. We appreciate you. Christian, we'll get to Italian soccer in just a minute. Keep the comments coming, everybody out there. We appreciate you. This is your show, obviously, trying to pick up the numbers as we get to these previews going into the weekend. So, you know, spread the word. Share the, the shows out there live. If you see it on uh, social media, on our um, Twitter, please make sure you share the shows that more and more people jump into conversation and we can really have good banter before we get out of here. Uh, quick prediction, who wins that game? Nigel. <laughs> um, I'm probably going to go for, I don't know, I'm going to go for a City win. Mike? Uh, because Nigel won City, I'm going Arsenal. <laughs> JJ? I'd be tempted by a draw, but I'm going to go City 2-1. Uh, Desi, producer Desi, put up the odds there, and it was incredible mm -hmm. to me to see Arsenal in the form that they're in. I think it was plus 300, the odds for Arsenal to wow. win, which is, to me, the way they're playing right now, it's very difficult to beat. And on that note, I'm going for a City win. <laughs> uh, let's turn our attention to Brighton against Liverpool. Um, LFC recently embarrassed by Brighton, Mike, um, and apparently mm -hmm. their worst performance uh, that Klopp has ever seen. They were spanked 3-0 back in January 14th, and they now face each other, obviously, in the FA Cup. What are you expecting from this game? A bit more of the same. The believability about this 
Liverpool team to get results and to be domineering in any competition is going out the window. Their one shining star and their one bright light is Mohamed Salah, but he's not getting the service. He's not getting the support he needs. Brighton, yes, Sully Marsh is playing, playing and Danny Walbeck on the score sheet back in good health. But Matoma, the Japanese international, he has pace, his movement in behind. Liverpool do not have an answer for that. They didn't have it the last time out. The fact that Caicedo and McAllister are getting back to health and getting back to form, Brighton's going to have too much. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I, I think as well, something that helps them is the fact that, you know, Brighton have a lot of their players always in the shop window when it comes to, to transfer periods. There's a lot of speculation. People saying, oh, you know, how are going to Brighton fit? How are Brighton going to fare without this guy, without this guy? And there's a lot of uh, rumors around Saicedo at this moment in time. But, you know, Brighton, they have this strategy where they're always sort of one or two steps ahead of everybody sort of coming in, looking at their prized assets, already sort of lining up the next talent to come through and and replace yeah. them. And it seems now that they're starting to adapt, uh, you know, to Deserby's style of play. Uh, obviously, it was already quite compatible with the previous style left over by uh, Graham Potter. But for me, I feel like we were expecting Liverpool to take a bit of time during the World Cup break to recharge their batteries we've seen none of that i haven't seen a reinvigorated liverpool since the you know since club football came back after the world cup uh if anything i've i've actually seen sort of more things that raise questions in my mind as opposed to feeling that liverpool are really going to go on a strong run in the second half of the the season and actually i think we're reaching the point now where we start debating you know are we going to see some big names missing out on european qualification this season i mean yeah. okay i know the domestic mm. cup doesn't necessarily count towards that but with Liverpool and Chelsea in the sort of form that they're in, there could be some very unexpected names sort of, you know, managing to get European qualification via the league and Brighton uh, are one of those teams. And I think this game could again be sort of an example of, uh, you know, well-run clubs like Brighton potentially, uh, you know, turning up the heat on uh, clubs like Liverpool who are, you know, they've rested on their laurels for the last couple of years, haven't done the right sort of business, the right sort of squad building that, you know, got them to the top uh in continental terms in the last couple of years. Uh, and it feels like they're going to be paying the price for that at least until the summer, if not beyond that. Also, JJ, fantastic. You're just on fire today, man. What the <laughs> hell? I read your article this morning about Vinny Jr. I mean, you're just on fire right one. now. I can tell you're fired up right now. Nigel, what do you got for a prediction for me, Brighton against Liverpool? I'm going to go for a Brighton win again. I'm with Michael. I think Brighton just have too much in the attacking sense, too much flair, pace, energy. Liverpool still questionable defensively. They don't look right. And uh, I'm with JJ as well in what JJ said about there's a lot more questions about Liverpool in the second half of the season. JJ, is that right? You're going for a Brighton win as well? Oh, wouldn't it surprise you if I said, oh, no, after all that, I'm going for a <laughs> Liverpool win, doing it, doing an Ian. No, I'm going to go, uh, I'm gonna go to Brighton for that one. <laughs> Just confirming, Matt Osman saying Liverpool are trash this year. The tide has turned on Jurgen Klopp, certainly under a bit of pressure right there. We appreciate you, Matt, jumping in the comments all the time. If you're watching out there, let us know where you're watching from. Jump in the comments. Don't just watch along here and look at Nigel's pretty face. No, no, no. This is your show. We want you to jump in the conversation as much as we possibly can. Let's get to the big one, Nigel. It is Rex against Sheffield United. See that smile on your face, but I'm not actually coming to you first. I'm going to JJ first about this one. Hey, JJ, there's a great story, obviously, behind what's happening at Wrexham right now. Um, they, 
they've grabbed the hearts of many people in the United States of America, whether the ownership and obviously, you know, trying to chase promotion. And, and every, every single time we see it on ESPN, it's all over the place. Like, we recognize it. We understand it. We get it. But it's a pretty cool story coming out of uh, Ryan Reynolds donating some money to a youth club in Wrexham recently for this youth club to get new kits. So they honored him by getting the Deadpool logo on the side of their <laughs> sleeves. What do you think about this new takeover at Wrexham Football Club and the whole story? It's pretty cool, right? I do think it's pretty cool. I mean, I think it's great, uh, you know, when you have these kind of projects that really bring a bit of attention to what's going on in the lower leagues. Uh, I think I saw there was a takeover of Richmond as well recently, which is, you know, another example of sort of people starting to buy into, uh, you know, these clubs that are a bit closer to the grassroots and, you know, bringing a bit of attention there. I know that, uh, you know, Wrexham's ownership, uh, you know, they've been, you know, really railing to try and get more, uh, you know, TV coverage and bring some of that money, uh, you know, down closer to the bottom of the the, the pyramid uh you know and they, they of course they've been uh you know trying to get themselves promoted as well came very very close last season uh you know who knows perhaps they'll get it over the line this campaign but you know a cup run i think always kind of adds to you know to to, to the kind of you know fun the fun feeling around uh you know projects like this and you know that like like nigel said you know the fa cup i do agree uh sort of has needed, uh, you know, to to get a bit of an injection of magic in the last couple of years, and perhaps you know, Wrexham being sort of one of the surprise packages who could make potentially a deep run, uh, you know, could be, uh, you know, could be one of the the feel good stories for people to to follow between now and the end of uh, of this cup competition. But I do think as well, uh, you know, when you look at some of the teams that they've drawn, when they come up against the likes of a of a Sheffield United, a, a club that's not in the top tier, but a club that's steeped in tradition as well, uh, you know, those are the kind of games that you know make the fa cup uh you know the the sexy domestic cup competition here here mike ah jj you said it all and then some i think the one thing i focus on in this is there's always been question marks about where american ownership lies in european football and especially in the premier league i think what ryan reynolds and his business partner are doing is showing that there's such a need, such an impact for lower league football and American ownership and what they can do. The fact that you're seeing TikTok and big institutions and big companies and marketing going towards a team like Wrexham, you can't help but fall in love. You can't help but pull for them. I will be pulling for them in this matchup. Nigel, I want to come to you real quickly about the FA Cup because it was always my dream as a player. You know, as a kid, young young kid growing up, I watched the FA Cup and I admired the FA Cup more than any other competition. And it was kind of weird to me that cup competition was always going to be special to my heart. And I was lucky to have a good run in the German FA Cup, which was great. And But the FA Cup is always so special. How difficult is it for you? Obviously, you've played at both levels. You've played at a little bit of a lower level going against some of the big dogs in this competition. But you've also played for the big dog going against these minnows in the competition. How difficult did you find it? being a clear favorite going into these ties against teams like Arex, some who have got a lot of support behind them. It was very difficult. And just like you said, Ian, I was the same when I was young. The FA Cup for me or for our generation growing up was the equivalent to the love and the adoration you see now of the Champions League. The Champions League was nothing like this. Yeah. Our FA Cup was that. That was it. Everyone was in trance of the FA Cup because you know what it means to grassroots football it's the David versus Goliath story. And then when you play against some of these players who at the time had part-time jobs because they weren't full professionals, it just yeah. added to the magic. And it just really realized, make you realize how fortunate and lucky you were as a player. And the difference with our generation, I would say, was there was a probably more of a never-say-die attitude from these lower league clubs. And they made it difficult for you. Because anytime they played a Premier League club or a championship club, 
that was their FA Cup final. That was the mentality that they had and they gave everything for it. And that's why you see upsets. And like yourself, I think this year's FA Cup, JJ said, this year's FA Cup needed this. It needs this. And exactly. uh, the, the, the attention that Wrexham is bringing to lower league clubs really is fascinating to see. And it's great to see because grassroots football is still needed. Yeah, well and truly. And I'll, I'll tell you a quick story. Yesterday, I posted on my social media, at Joy Pauline, if you want to go follow, um, about it being 16 years since I played against Werder Bremen in the German quarterfinal of the FA Cup. And um, there was about four inches of snow on the pitch. And the referee was Felix Brich, JJ. You know, Felix Brich, a famous German referee. It's certainly a stiff referee. And um, I'll never forget the coach from Werder Bremen. I forget his name with the mustache. He came out and he said, and this was ahead of the 2006 World Cup. And he said to, um, he said to the, the referee, uh, Thomas Schaff, yeah. He said, uh, if you play this effing game and, to- and, and Miroslav Klose gets injured and misses the effing World Cup, <laughs> it'll be all your fault. 20 minutes into the game, he dislocated his shoulder. <laughs> oh, my dear. <laughs> and we won. Knocked him, out the, knocked him out. The German Cup quarterfinals went on to get beat by Bayern in the semi. But it's the stories story. like that, that that make it so special. You know, I just oh, yeah. I love cup competition. So hope everybody out there really enjoys the um, FA Cup this weekend. We can't wait. We hope Wrexham do well. And we hope the, the underdogs do well. Be careful where you're betting out there because it's not easy to bet on this competition at all. Um, uh, just a quick reminder to everybody out there. James Benj is not here because we were talking about Arsenal potentially losing the game today, so he decided not to turn up. <laughs> but he also spoke with former Major League Baseball executive David Sampton about Todd Bowley's Chelsea takeover and about American ownership in general when it comes to club football and the Premier League. So please go check it out on our YouTube page. James is all over it, as usual. Absolutely fantastic stuff. And uh, we're going to take a, a quick break with the boys. We will be back and we're going to break down everything else that's happening around the rest of Europe and get to one of JJ's big, big stories that broke this morning. Stay around. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast robert half research indicates nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring if you have open roles chances are you're feeling this too that's why you need robert half Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. 
Visit roberthalf.com today. Just a quick reminder for everybody out there, please don't miss out on any of the Serie A action. Follow some of the biggest stars in the sport like Olivier Giroud, Rafael Leao, Lautaro Martinez, as they try to lead their teams to Scudetto. How will the table change going forward? Which club has the best chance of winning it all? Which clubs have the most to lose? Find out all the answers and stream every match from Italy's top soccer league live only on Paramount+. Plus. Try one month free with the promo code Serie A. Thank you very much, uh, Producer Des, for cutting me off before I finished right there. Uh, not like me to throw you under the bus, but I do appreciate the apology. Boys, welcome back. Everybody out there, you're watching House of Champions. Girls, if you're out there as well, let us know if there's any girls out there. We'd love you to join the conversation. We appreciate you, uh, especially you, BX Gunner 81, who says, no, Ferrari, no, let's go McLaren. I'm a big Ferrari fan. We were discussing this pre-game and pre-show because I'm a big Schumacher fan, so that's why. Musto jumping in and saying Arsenal can win that game, so we appreciate you. Thank you, everyone, for jumping in the comments, but also keep them coming. Nigel, I'm coming to you first because we're going to Italy. It is Napoli against Roma. It's the late kickoff on Sunday. It's first against fifth in the league. Uh, just to let you know, Kvaratskhelia looks like he's back in training. He was uh, obviously missing an action for a moment. He had a bit of a virus. Many people say it's the flu. Who knows what it was, but he is back. And this guy is an important player for Napoli as they try to chase the Scudetto race. Uh, clearly a favorite, especially at home. You'd expect them to win against Mourinho and Roma. For sure, Ian. I think for me, that performance against Juventus is, for me, a, a real performance that's going to really put that belief and confidence in this Napoli squad that they can actually win the Scudetto this year. I think that was really the statement performance they needed. I don't really see them having any fear for Roma. We know how Jose Mourinho likes to set up his teams. They're going to sit back. They're going to try and frustrate Napoli. But the problem with when you do that with a team like Napoli is they do have the quality. And as that man you say, Quaradona or Qualascalia, he's back <laughs> in training. He can be a vital piece of it. But for me, I still look at Osman. Osman for me, is still such a terrific strike. And we can see why he is on so many top clubs in Europe's list of a striker that they want to get in the summer and he can be a difference maker. You know, Osman for me has the form right now of what we saw last year for Tammy Abraham having the same form for this Roma team. But I think that Napoli just have got too much for Roma and they'll get the job done. I think uh, for me going into this match, the thing I'm really curious about now is how Napoli process uh, all this speculation surrounding them that they might get dragged into the the Plus Valenza uh, debate. Obviously, there's mm. going to be a lot of scrutiny on the the Aussie Men deal and a couple of other transfers related to Napoli. Uh, you know, I think they're just going to have to put that all to the back of their minds, try and gather as many points as they can, as many victories, keep that momentum going uh, between now and the end of the season and sort of whatever happens, uh, you know, will happen. It would be such a shame to see, uh, you know, what has been arguably the feel-good story of uh, you know European soccer so far this season kind of derailed uh, because of that, but ultimately uh, you know if wrongdoings are found, uh, you know I think all clubs have to be held accountable. Whether you're Napoli, whether you're Juventus, whether you're smaller clubs, but uh, you know it's I, I think Napoli can't afford to take their eye off the ball now, especially against one of Spalletti's former clubs. So I think this you know has the makings of, of being a really uh, critical game because that lead has built up to such a point now where it's it's almost going to be insurmountable for the teams trying to keep up with them 
Uh, Mike, before you go here, just a quick question from producer Des. He's asking if Napoli do get hit with this point reduction, um, would you still fancy them to to win the league? I mean, there's rumours out there it could be as high as 15 points. And we've been obviously been busy in our, our, our private chats and many people still thinking that Napoli can still win the league with a 15 point deduction. Do you think the same? Uh, no, 15 points is a lot. <laughs> Given that, yes, they've created a bit of a distance between them and the next man up, but it then creates a crack in the pavement, Nige. I know what you're going to say. I know you're on the Napoli wagon. So bear with me before you go full knee deep in the Naples water. 15 points is a lot. If it's up to 15 points, given what Inter, a club like Inter Milan is doing in the Super Copa match that they what killed Milan, they're on the up and up. They will smell vulnerability in ways that Napoli has not shown on the field. If it's happening off the field, I think it'll be one of the first cracks in the pavement and it could cost them the Scudetto. Nigel. I'm not going to say much. I just, I, I disagree with that for me because if you look at the standings, uh, if a producer does can maybe get it up, AC Milan a second, right? It's a private Lazio question right there, Nigel. Huh? <laughs> Sorry, go on, carry on. Stop winding me up, right? Listen, McLaren, right? Get rid of that Ferrari. Fucking horse. <laughs> I just think from when you look at Milan get absolutely ripped apart by this Lazio side and Milan a second favorite. Milan look like now they're just a broken record. Like literally like no one knows what they're doing. I still feel Napoli can come back and do it because they're the only solid side squad and team who look like they're actually consistent in winning games. Everyone else is just a roll of the dice. Uh, Nigel, the reason why I interrupted you is because you said that if producer Des could get it up, it would be great. Real quick, before we get out of here, we've got some great comments coming in. We're going to start with Christian Vargas. He's asking, what do you guys think of Inter Milan? They win the Supercopa. They've actually been on a very good run, but then all of a sudden they lose to Empoli. Um, and uh, now it makes it very interesting for them. They're sitting fourth right now in uh, the chase for Scudetto. What do you think about the current situation that's going on? We're hearing about players maybe leaving, Skriniar and all what's happening there yeah it's interesting i mean i think to to be honest inter for me i'm under inzaghi you know they 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 just don't quite feel like they have the pedigree to be uh you know title winners this season unless there is uh you know this sort of intervention where napoli uh get docked the points i actually think that this the end of this window is a really good opportunity for inter inter's biggest worry at this moment in time is their financial state scriniar and his agent have come out and said that he's not going to extend so this is the last chance for them to cash in uh you know sell him to psg because the the deal was agreed last summer it's still valid now psg need a defender inter you know can't afford for him to leave on a free transfer to me it makes sense to do that perhaps bring in somebody uh you know a free agent or something as a stopgap solution until the end of the season because really i don't see you know scriniar or not uh, i don't see that inter defense tightening up enough to sort of put them in title contention without that kind of intervention where you know napoli uh, get the the points docked the best thing that inter can do is secure champions league qualification again for next season uh, and i think that that can be secured with or without scriniar to me it makes sense to cash in now uh, and then at least salvage something of this uh, financially because i think realistically this kind of inconsistency where they put pull out these really good performances uh, and then maybe get tripped up in unexpected venues uh, will probably continue until the end of the campaign. 
Carl Mucky and jumping in our comments right now and saying, is there a title race in Germany? Big games this weekend. It's Bayern Munich, uh, Eintracht Frankfurt, Dortmund against Leverkusen. Well, Carl, we're turning our attention to the Bundesliga right now, just for you. Let's do that. Bayern Munich, as we just mentioned, taking on Eintracht Frankfurt. It's first against fourth place in the Bundesliga. That takes place on Saturday. Um, comment coming in from Lothar Matthias, Mike. Um, Frankfurt can absolutely win the Bundesliga. They have incredible team spirit or incredible spirit within the team. And that was said on last night's Frankfurt game on the commentary. Um, is he right, Lothar Matthias, here? Can Frankfurt win the Bundesliga? In fact, I'll actually change that question. Can anybody else except Bayern Munich win the freaking Bundesliga? It's a roll of the dice at the moment. It seems like no one wants to take advantage of the slow start from Bayern. Bayern don't look like the Bayern of old. They're having issues up top. Yes, came out of the gates this season. The question mark of who was going to step up in the absence of Lewandowski. I think it's going to come down in this match, which center forward is going to show up. Kolomowani showed up for Frankfurt in their last game. I think it was at Freiburg, the 1-1 draw. If he hits mm -hmm. and Chopomoting doesn't, then Frankfurt will win this game. But if Chopomoting can get back on the score sheet, then it will alleviate some of the woes of Bayern up top. JJ, let's turn our attention to Leverkusen against Borussia Dortmund. Gio Reyna scoring two late goals to secure points for Borussia Dortmund over the last two games. This is a bit of a derby game. Leverkusen have won their last two games, and Xavi Alonso has Leverkusen playing some good football. Me and you personally have been going back and forth about the talent that is, of course, what's happening at Leverkusen. They have finally got things going. Florian Wirtz played yesterday, started the game, got an assist yesterday, and has recently been called the only saviour for the German national team. What are your thoughts on Leverkusen's chances against Dortmund? And and the overall project that Xabi Alonso is putting together. I think it's really interesting. I mean, I think we were all kind of waiting to see where Alonso would land and get his first managerial gig. And it makes sense in a way to go back to somewhere where he played, whether that was Premier League or in this case, the Bundesliga. So to see him thriving with Leverkusen, I think is not really that much of a surprise given that he was held with such high regard uh, after his time at youth level with, uh, uh, with, with Sociedad. But um, I think... For for me, I think Leverkusen, because of how bad the first half of the season was, it's kind of a, a damage control exercise now because getting back into Europe, it's still quite a way off. Sort of, if we're looking at the table at this moment in time, they're what I mean, they're eighth, but still in terms of being behind the European places, there's quite a gap there. It's seven points, so you know there's still a lot of work to do for Leverkusen. We there's there's been no doubt about the quality of the squad. We know that there are some very very good elements there. Uh, you know, Wirtz uh, being injured. Was, was a massive blow for them. So to have him back is, uh, you know, is really encouraging and bodes well for the second half of the season. I just kind of feel like going into this game in particular, this is the kind of game where Dortmund can and maybe will drop points. Uh, you know, and again, this season sort of, you know, Bayern, when they've dropped uh, points on occasion, it just reiterates that point that, you know, Dortmund, if they were a little more consistent, a bit more coherent in, in terms of their project. Sure. Uh, you know, got lucky or had better fortune as well with some very un, you know, unlucky stuff like, uh, Halea's, uh, you know, being out of action for, for quite a while, you know, there's, there's a lot of things, I guess we can, we can put into why Dortmund are not up there challenging, breathing down Bayern's necks. But again, it's, it's another example. I and mean, there's been a couple of them in the last couple of years where, yep. Bayern are kind of there for the taking and Dortmund should be that team that's ready to step up and potentially give them that title race that you were bemoaning earlier. And it just, I don't know, it always leaves me with this feeling of frustration that Dortmund are not quite there ready to pounce. I've been 
complaining about the fact that there's been lack of a title race in Germany for many a years. And I actually got myself into a lot of trouble. And um, one of the the higher executives in the Bundesliga reached out to me and asked me to put, you know, quietly shut up about complaining about the fact that Bayern Munich, and as you know, as everybody knows right now, I don't like to be told what to do. So I let my feelings be known. And I also let them know that uh, at some point, you're going to start to lose interest in the Bundesliga if Bayern continuously win this league. And it's not the fact that I want to say Bayern are doing anything wrong here. They're doing their job. I respect that. I understand it. But what I want is more competition. I want clubs to stop selling their players so that they can actually have a competition in that league. Nigel, am I wrong here? You're not wrong. You're not wrong. But I think for me, like the comment you just put up there, I think for me, Leipzig are the only team that I could see that really could actually take this title. But I still feel that Bayern Munich are kind of just encouraging the rest, just having fun with them. Because I don't think that... They feel that they're under any pressure. I think their priority, again, as always, is the Champions League. And if it really came to the fact of they needed to win the domestic title, you can just feel, you just feel that Bayern have that ability to really turn it on. I just don't see them really competing at a very serious level to win the domestic title. Like you said, maybe they're bored of it. And I feel the Champions League is their priority. But Leipzig, for me, are the only ones I can see who really could challenge Bayern in those next batch of teams. Yeah, real quickly, Mike, before we move on to League and uh, get into, of course, JJ's comments and also your comments about Marseille against Monaco. Uh, I want to ask you about Gio Reyna. A couple of times mm. he scored uh, some big, big goals here and also uh-uh, putting that hands to the ears. Yep. What is your overall thought on that reaction right there? I love the reaction. It's the only thing you can do as a footballer is do your talking on the pitch, not off the field, or have your parents do it. Look, you can't control what your parents do at the end of the day, and that's not a slide on him. You can't control what your parents do, but you can't yes, control... You can. Yes, you can. Mate. Gio is growing. You could tell his mom and dad, let me handle this. Like, you can. As I was saying, you can't control what your parents do at times, but you can control how you respond. Everyone in the world is looking at this kid and how he's going to respond, and he's scoring game-winning goals. Look, it's a perfect reaction. And if you're a U.S. men's national team coach, whoever that will be moving forward, you can't help but monitor the situation and be smiling, thinking, okay, this kid still has value to add to this team in the future. All right, let's whip around France. JJ, let's get to it. PSG, Rams, you're going to be at the game. Of course, PSG being a little bit quiet on the transfer market as far as I'm concerned. I guess they don't need to send many players because they've got world-class host of players already there. What's your overall thoughts? Obviously, there's been uh, news coming out with a little bit of disagreements recently within the camp. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to the game first and foremost this weekend, a chance to see Balogun uh, up close. He's been doing really good things for Reims this season. So somebody for the USMNT-centric uh, fans to, to definitely keep an eye on. Uh, in terms of all of that, you sort of storm in a teacup about the the vice captaincy. <clears throat> Basically, what happened was Galtier said after PSG absolutely annihilated uh, Peter Cassel uh, in, the, in the Coupe de France on Monday that Mbappé was vice captain sort of in terms of the the match, so Marquinhos starting on the bench, logically, Mbappe took the armband. And then it kind of brewed into some sort of mini controversy when Kimpembe came out and said like he hadn't been informed that he was not vice-captain. And then Galtier had some explaining to do with Kimpembe afterwards that you know he's one of a number of vice-captains, which includes Mbappe, Verratti, and Kimpembe. Uh, so sounds like the issue was settled in the end, but you know very much uh, a bit of fuss about nothing. But again, just an example that you know managers have to be careful with what they're saying, so yeah. they don't put their star names uh, noses out of joint. But the one thing that I would say, I mean, you said that PSG are quite quiet so far this January. I think they need that screening out deal. The defense has been awful. 
of late. Uh, you know, some of the results have really suffered. Ramos, has, his form has suddenly dropped off a cliff massively. Marquinhos hasn't been mm. quite right all season. Kimpembe's been out for months, injured now. Uh, PSG will not win the Champions League if they don't boost their defense. I'm not saying that Skriniar will solve that alone, but to me, it's a no-brainer. Uh, you know, pay uh, a reduced fee now to get him in, uh, you know, have him available for the second half of the season. Uh, that way, Inter Milan can cash in on him as well. And then that way, at least PSG can potentially salvage what was a very good start to the season. You know, they're one of, I think, only two unbeaten clubs in Europe uh, going into the World Cup break. Obviously, both of those records have now gone because Benfica were beaten as well. But uh, yeah, in terms of uh, sort of PSG up against Reims, you know, no major concern there for, for PSG to get the result. But looking ahead to that clash with Bayern, despite the fact that Bayern have a few personnel issues, you know, PSG, I don't think, can afford to stand still. Have you watched Bayern recently, JJ? There's something not right there, man. I'm telling you, man. <laughs> something not right there. Hey, uh, Mike, real quickly before we yeah. move away from France, it's Marseille against Monaco. It's third against fourth. You got 20 seconds. Tell me. Ah, uh, well, first off, I lay OM and shout out to OM for the fresh kit. And in this matchup, OM have been on a tear since the World Cup break, and it's down to what they've done in getting out of that defensive posture and playing attacking players. They got Malinowski, who is a very good offensive-minded midfielder, but putting the likes of Payet and Under into the fold to help take the weight of pressure offensively off of Alexi Sanchez is paying dividends. I expect them to win. 20 seconds? No, it was 21, but good enough. Damn Thank it. you very much for that. Okay. 21 seconds right there. Yeah, producer Des confirmed that 21 oh, seconds. come on. All right, let's finish off the show with uh, some important topics. Obviously, Spain, we have to turn our attention to breaking story. JJ, thanks very much for your article this morning. I read it in depth. Very, very good. Um, but once again, I mean, discrimination continues to play a role around what's happening at Real Madrid and Atletico Madrid with Vinny Jr. And I'm getting fed up of seeing stories like this. But to me, it seems like a lot more is happening in Spain and certainly coming from Atleti fans into the direction of Vinny Jr. You wrote the article the day. Uh, JJ, what is your thoughts overall? And obviously, what are you hearing? I mean, it's soul destroying to have to keep writing the same thing over and over and, you know, have these kind of events, you know, continue to happen. And I think, you know, perhaps the the most dispiriting thing about it all is when you look at the the official line out of La Liga, Atletico Madrid, uh, you know, it's basically, you know, passing the buck to the authorities and saying, you know, we hope the authorities take care of this because we're not really prepared to do what's necessary to eradicate this behavior. And let's be honest, uh, you know, I'm not saying that, you know, Atleti are alone in sort of being the bad boys of Spanish football and, you know, sort of the the only offenders in this kind of in this kind of way. But they have a long and quite, uh, you know, uh, unsavory history uh, of, of these kind of um you know, incidents. And it's, uh, you know, as well, like for the Spanish authorities, it's not like they weren't warned. This kind of thing has been happening pretty much all week, not, uh, you know, as sort of, uh, you know, um, insightful as this, um, as, as this incident was, but still there's been banners going up all across Madrid all week in the, the, the preparation for this game. Uh, you know, and it's just, uh, you know, it is really, really deflating to every time we talk about Spanish football, almost have to, you know, kind of include this kind of caveat of, oh, but, you know, look at the way some of the star players in the league are, are being treated by uh, opposing fan bases. Mm -hmm. Nigel. I'll let Michael go. <laughs> Mike, yeah, I was going to say the same to you. I, as I said before, we all got on the show. I'm going to almost start cussing, and I hope I don't because I know we have a live audience and we have kids at home watching but this, this is, is getting, a digital space you can cuss if you want to this is this is getting ridiculous this is this is turning me off from la liga it's an absolute stain 
on Spanish football. The, the, the fact that this is being allowed, when I see the, the corporate responses of we stand firmly against, it's disgusting. Do something about it. Start making point deductions. Start finding them. Start hitting people where it hurts. It's not going to change. And when you have one of your star players repeatedly getting abused, it makes it okay. It tells other people it is okay to do this. And I just can't stand for it. I, I'm, that's all I've got so far. Or else I'm going to really start cussing, cussing. I think we're all pretty heated about this subject here. And um, I get fed up of obviously talking about it as well. But I actually don't mind talking about it because I think it's important to talk about it. Otherwise, we're never going to get rid of it. But at the end of the day, Nigel, what can we do to get rid of this? I mean, this is not just Spain. I understand the Atleti story and the Vinny Jr. And he seems to be a target because he likes to dance and do his thing. But give me a break. I mean, this is happening all across Europe right now. It's happening in the UK, it's happening in Germany, it's happening wherever. We see stories pretty much every day when it comes to the beautiful game that turns it into an ugly game, that racial discrimination has not gone away. It looks like it's getting worse. So what the hell can we do about it? Ian, it's a society problem. And then for me, if you want me to be very blunt and honest, all these governing bodies, all these FIFAs, these UEFAs, the Spanish FA, all these governing bodies of football uh, around the world, don't give a shit. That's the reality of it. They don't give a shit. Because if they did, they'll put out a lot more stiffer punishments and clubs and people will stop acting like this. It, it's ridiculous. And it is a society problem. And for me, the crazy thing is they're talking about Vinicius Jr. I think the head of the Spanish agency or whatever it is who started this and put a big target on Vinicius Jr. with his comments about Vinicius Jr.'s dancing yes. and the monkey thing. He put the target on Vinicius Jr.'s back because if you've got someone in that high profile position to say that comfortably, that just makes it worse. And that is why these idiotic fans are acting this way. And for me, it's Spanish people have to look at themselves to say, OK, what is it because Vinicius Jr. is black or is it because he's Brazilian? Because you have now young black men representing Spain at international level. How are they supposed to feel? Or is it the, the whole cliche that these idiotic racist people say, oh, you're no, no, not you. It's him. You're not one of them, but not realizing they are still both black men. You know, that's the skin tone that they have. And it's the stupidity that we have to deal with until FIFA take it seriously and UEFA do to start banning these clubs from international competitions. And until La Liga takes it seriously and until the Spanish FA takes it seriously, why would the idiot and keyboard warrior and those people walk around the streets take it seriously? Because they see it's acceptable. There is no consequences for their actions. Nigel, I haven't seen... Go on. Real quickly, we, we discussed it. Me and you have been personally discussing in our private chats about what happened in English football last week with one of the coaches apparently using racial words and words. therefore it went to a panel and it was found out that he is not a racist, but he was using racial words. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but is that not someone who's racist who's using but racial words? That's someone who's racist. And like you said, and I like what you said, because it happens all over the world. And I'm not going to say to Vinicius Jr., oh, leave La Liga and then go to, to the Premier League where you'll be welcome, because the Premier League has its own problems. That's a, There's no league that's perfect. But until the governing body of football really takes control of this situation, you're not going to see great change. Until clubs are fined a real high level and pay real good consequences, you're not going to see any great change. That's the sad thing. Right about now, it's all lip service. I've seen it so many times with all different things, whether it's getting more black coaches, more black reps. It's all just lip service and wordplay because the reality of it is yep. all these governing bodies don't give a damn.
Hey, let's do uh, a separate episode about this. And obviously, uh, I think we can we can go into deep discussion about racial discrimination across uh, soccer in general. So let's do a, a separate es- episode at some point, because I'd love to get many people's comments out there, but also love to get your comments in it. And um, certainly I want to talk about the lack of you know black coaches in the, the game as well. I think that would be an important discussion to have at some point down the line. Uh, JJ just uh, appointed uh, breaking news right there. JJ, if you want to just go ahead and say that breaking news real quickly, before we get out of here. Uh, yeah, so this one's for uh, the uh, USMNT fans and you can just see with uh, Jeff Carlisle reporting uh, along with Sam Borden, I might add that uh, sources have told ESPN that Ernie Stewart is actually out as sporting director of the USSF. So wow. uh, I imagine that there will be an In Soccer We Trust uh, emergency podcast coming out about it later today. In fact, I think Des has confirmed in the chat that there will be, but obviously big, big news for the USMNT. And, uh, you know, as uh, as Mike sort of hinted earlier while discussing Gio Reyna, uh, you know, again, linked to the fact that, you know, this is a national team without uh, a fixed head coach at this moment in time. Uh, Mike, quick comment from you. You have 19 seconds. 19. <laughs> I'll make it 15. <laughs> Brian McBride out. Ernie Stewart out. Potentially Greg Berhalter out. A new era of U.S. soccer is upon us. And I think it's the right decision. I'm done. There's a new CEO in charge of uh, U.S. soccer right now, and the hammer has fallen on Ernie Stewart. And as JJ just pointed out, there will be an emergency episode of In Soccer We Trust, so make sure you follow all the social medias to make sure what time that will be out later on today. Um, But just to remind you that there will also be an In Soccer We Trust live recap at 9.30 Eastern on Saturday um, after the USA-Columbia game. Uh, So make sure you go listen to the boys and enjoy their reaction, but also... Try to check out that emergency episode today about Ernie Stewart and what's happening all around U.S. soccer. They are in a mess. Nigel's laughing. <laughs> Quick thoughts, Nigel. <laughs> another entanglement is about to form. One comes out. There's going to be another one that comes in with some kind of entanglement. You know, it's it's like a gang. It's harder to get out of this U.S. soccer than it is to get in. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love the discussion. I love this, the discussion today as well. It was supposed to be a short episode. We went five minutes longer than we were supposed to, but it's all because of the breaking news from JJ. Thanks, JJ. We appreciate you. Uh, thanks, boys, for the discussion all the way through. Hope everybody enjoys the FA Cup and all the action across Europe. Uh, make sure that you come back with us on Monday because we will have a transfer deadline day eve special uh, with the great Fabrizio Romano. We'll be there. Um, all the boys will be discussing. We'll be doing as many episodes as we can around the transfer deadline day as well. So follow along our social media platforms um, as much as you possibly can for the latest uh, times that we'll be on but on Monday we'll be back uh, very early in the morning Eastern time so make sure you join us then a reminder to everybody out there we want to thank you for listening to House of Champions uh, please take a minute to leave us a rating and a review on your favorite podcast platform we're available on Apple Podcasts Spotify Stitcher and anywhere else you listen to your podcast also available as videos so subscribe to us on YouTube as well to everybody out there who jumped in the comments we appreciate you to everybody out there please share please like please subscribe please leave a review a rating as much as you possibly can because that means the world to us thank you so much for watching house of champions we'll see you again on monday
MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts.